everybody. Welcome back to the Down in the Heat podcast. I'm your host, Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. There at the top of the show, we've got a new, well, it's a new year, and there's a new version of my theme song. This one, compliments of Joe from the Decahedron podcast. So thanks for that, Joe. I appreciate it. Boy, what have I been up to? I guess the the holidays went, to, you know, from a job point of view, went about as smooth as they could. The weather cooperated. It was the mildest December I ever remember experiencing in my life. It's crazy warm. It actually rained on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I think. Um, I didn't even really need a jacket except that it was raining, so I wore a rain slicker. It was uh, crazy. Um, it was kind of fun. I had a conversation with my nephew, uh, Brandon, my youngest, my younger nephew, Brandon, is in his early 20s, and uh, he plays uh, D&D on a regular basis with a group of people, and uh, it was fun to hear him say things like that, like I, I expected that they might be playing online a lot, that they might be using like dice rolling, uh, apps and stuff like that online. No, they, <laughs> they play face to face, uh, as much as they can. He hates dice rolling apps. He wants to roll physical dice and stuff. So it's, it's kind of fun to hear, uh, the experiences that he's having with, with gaming and stuff. Um, one of these days, maybe I'll, I think it'd be fun to have him on the show and just talk about his experiences and point of view and stuff on the game. So yeah, I hope to, hope to do that at some point. Um, what else have I been doing? Been watching, been binging some movies and TV shows, and it kind of reinforces just the type of game experience that um, I'd like to capture or present in some ways. Uh, you know, a lot of podcasters or bloggers or whatever will talk about emulating the fiction. Um, and in a lot of cases, it's looking back at things like Appendix N from the DMG, the, the first edition DMG and stuff. So we're talking Robert Howard and uh, Lovecraft and um, the pulp writers, Michael Moorcock and uh, um, <laughs> I'm blanking now. Well, you know what I'm talking about, right? And otherwise they might be talking about um, various movies and stuff, but you know, the types of movies that I really like are super small scope and they're, they're really, they're not power trip fantasy action movies, which it, it feels like so much of the hobby, well, and just modern, uh, presentations of movies and comics and whatever, it just all is going extreme, you know, it's, it's all computer generated, AI stuff that portrays this absolutely larger-than-life, epic, over-the-top stuff, right? And that's exactly the kind of stuff that I do not want to be emulated in my games, and I don't want to experience. I, it's, it's weird being in this position of being uh, 
so much on the opposite end of things. I mean, for me, like, if I was to play an espionage game, uh, some kind of intrigue game, spy game, whatever, I want to, I want it to be like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. And, and I mean like the, the 1979 series with Alec Guinness. I think it was 79. Very slow burn. Very realistic. Very little, like, like action. We're not talking, like, high-speed chases and uh, over the... T- it's not James Bond. That's not the type of espionage I'm interested in. And if it's a war movie kind of thing... I want it to be Band of Brothers. I don't want it to be Sergeant Rock. Or I I shouldn't even say Sergeant Rock because I don't really know. Like I just think of that off the top of my head. I, I don't want it to be Rambo, where he's this unbeatable, unstoppable army of one. You know? Uh I want it to <laughs> I want it to be dialed back where you can be a hero you're a hero. By doing heroic things, uh, the soldiers and Band of Brothers weren't going to go out there and like take out a platoon by themselves. You know, you didn't see Joe Toy or Bill Garnier uh, taking out thirty Nazis. You know, uh, by themselves. Um, but they did heroic things. Um, or for fantasy, even fantasy, uh, you know, I I much prefer a, a movie like Dragon Slayer to the Hobbit movies. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with a lot of this this stuff. And when people talk about emulating the fiction and uh, and heroic fantasy and stuff, and that's all great, you know, if that's your bag, that's your bag. But it's definitely not my bag, and it's it's getting harder and harder for me to find movies or tv shows or anything like that that uh that i enjoy anymore um because they all just eventually they're either over the top from the get-go or they or they become over the top it's never just a personal realistic small scope uh slow burn anymore that those are really few and far between um so, yeah, I don't know what, what else to say. <laughs> so I don't know, this episode, um, I've got a couple calls from uh, Free Thrall, Spencer from Keep Off the Borderlands, and one from Daniel from Bandit's Keep. So I'll play those and answer them, and if we have time for something else, maybe there'll be something else. But, uh, yeah, oh, one last thing, I'm... Technology-wise, you know, I, I fumble virtually any skill role versus technology. So I've, I've already, uh, as I've documented, gotten myself booted out of Discord. And now I've somehow managed to boot myself out of my Gmail account. So if you've sent me emails or sent me uh, messages or things for the podcast and I haven't replied recently, that's why. Uh, I think it happened sometime maybe like the first week in January or something where um, I'm just not able to get in anymore. Um, I'm not really sure what 
I'm going to do about it. Uh, I'll, I'll figure something out eventually. But right now I'm hamstrung. Uh, I did download uh, these these messages from from Spencer and Daniel, thank goodness. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at. If you if you're waiting on a reply or haven't heard your message or your uh, your voicemail or whatever on my show, that's why I'm not ignoring you. I'm just uh, technologically incapable. Hey Rob, Spencer here. Just calling in to reassure you that I'm still listening, still loving the show as a self-confessed into the odd fanboy. I've really been enjoying listening to your Into the Box episodes and um, it was nice to hear me mentioned in your list of people who have contributed to the show over the years which is what also inspired me to actually leave you a message because it has been some time. It's surprising how much the fact that you're not on Discord um, isn't how much of an obstacle that is for me when it comes to leaving you a message because every time I listen to your show, I think I must give Rob a call and it doesn't happen. So here I am for what it's worth. It was interesting to hear you talk about the auto hit nature of into the odd as it applies to you know missile combat it's something that sometimes i struggle to get my head around it sometimes i can kind of explain it away to myself i wish there was somewhere it was described in such a way that it would stick and you know it would stop popping up as an obstacle for me because other than that for me, it's the perfect system. It is interesting to see that Chris has developed combat a little in the new mythic Bastion land. That would be interesting to see how that plays out. I also think it's interesting how he has moved away from hit protection and is now using the term guard, which I think is very helpful in changing the way you think about that as kind of a, a defensive buffer rather than confusing it with hit points obviously yeah i understand why he wanted to keep using hp but i i, I think it certainly created a bit of confusion for quite a few people when it comes to thinking about what that represents and uh, listening to your actual play was certainly interesting for those of us who are interested to see how that combat plays out. I guess anyone tuning in for a little bit of uh, actual play drama may not feel the same. But hey, there you go. Can't please everyone. But it's surprising what people are actually interested in when you, when you put stuff out and um, how people respond to that. Something you might struggle to see why anybody else is interested in it can generate quite a bit of response. And, you know, vice versa. You say something you think might be controversial or promote some discussion and it doesn't get picked up on. So, yeah, that's always fascinating to me as a podcaster. I, for one, 
found it particularly interesting hearing you reflect on five years podcasting. Congratulations for that. Hearing about those podcasters who inspired you at the beginning, unfortunately, many of whom are no longer putting out episodes. And um, yeah, hearing you list off folks who have contributed to the show as well. Always good to be reminded of all those great voices out there. So uh, yeah, that was that was nice to hear. And I just wanted to pick up on, on Jason's call about intelligent swords and what you were saying regarding the literary president, you know, it being primarily swords in literature that are intelligent. But there's certainly examples of other intelligent items, if not specifically weapons. I was watching Hocus Pocus 2 the other day. Now, don't judge me. I've got young children, so, you know. And in that, there's a spell book which is very particular about how it allows itself to be used. And I'm sure there are more literary examples of all kinds of intelligent items of that nature. Anyway, as I say, Rob, I've really been enjoying your output and, uh, well, I hope you have slash had, delete as applicable, a nice Christmas and, uh, well, take care. Hey, Spencer, I appreciate the call and I appreciate you do, <laughs> uh, going through the trouble to, you know, uh, take a more roundabout route to, to send me a message and it kind of hits home here. I, I really do need to get past my, uh, my blocks here as far as technology goes. Um, whether it's, I guess that means, um, uh, not only changing my attitude, um, or trying to at least change my attitude to more of a can do rather than a give up <laughs> kind of thing, but, uh, just educate myself so that I can maybe have, uh, have guests on the show and not rely on someone else to, to record the conversation and send it to me. Um, yeah, I, I just need to get over the, the whole, um, block I have with trying to figure these things out. And if, and if I do have some app or program that, suddenly stops working inexplicably for me, not just giving up, but, but yeah, trying to, <laughs> trying to solve the problem rather than just, um, just ignoring it or whatever. Um, yeah, that's one I've said it before. That's, uh, one of my fatal flaws here, I guess, um, among many, um, boy, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to forget some of the things I should have taken down a couple of notes or something, but, uh, yeah, into the odd and, and Chris McDowell's mythic bastion land. I certainly look forward to, to getting that and checking it out. Um, the auto hit nature is something that I can kind of see if I squint, you know, uh, the idea that you're, and, you know, calling it guard rather or hit protection rather than hit points, I think is, is helpful. Um, I kind of think of it as maybe an eroding morale or something like that, or eroding 
luck of the protagonists. So if you're, if you are in, in some kind of gunfight or something or exchanging, you know, crossbows or whatever it is, and these auto hits are happening, uh, it's, it's maybe, yeah, just this, this like bringing the fight to a culmination rather than narratively, rather than thinking of it in, in a simulationist point of view. Um, I, I guess I, I can s- kind of see it. Like I said, if I squint, it's just really hard for me to, to, to leap over that, um, mindset gap I have, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, I appreciate it from a game mechanic point of view. So it's just a matter of, uh, of accepting that and, and then appreciating it from a narrative point of view and not having to explain everything in, in some kind of rational method or manner. So, yeah, um, I, I do really like the game system and, um, and now I think about it a little bit too, as as far as previous callers and conversations. I remember Aaron NPC wanted me to to give an in depth look at Cairn, and so often I am given suggestions or requests or something like that from from listeners, and then I and I say I'm going to do something, and I never do. So that should probably be one of my next episodes. Uh, taking a closer look at Karen, a more in-depth look at Karen than just the thumbnail I, I gave before is, you know, different ways to apply the, into the odd game system, I guess. I don't know. Um, and intelligent magic items, I think they can be really interesting. Uh, like you point out this, the spell book and there's, I'm sure there's all kinds of different things. If I sat down and thought about it, examples and stuff. Most of the examples I'm aware of are from, uh, scenarios and, and, uh, supplements and stuff for role-playing games. But in movie movies, like, you know, the, you bring up a kid's movie. I guess I remember seeing part of a Harry Potter where there was some kind of talking hat that they put on and it somehow designated which school or which, uh, like fraternity, each of uh, the students were going to belong to, you know, what are they like? Uh, the snake one. <laughs> can't tell I'm a real expert on Harry Potter. I should. Anyway, this, this talking hat that they put on. Um, so yeah, there's all kinds of different things like that. And, uh, and they can add a lot to the game, I think. Um, if, uh, it does kind of like push it though, more towards this like mag- highly magical setting, which as I was <laughs> kind of alluding to at the top, I tend not to, uh, really get into, um, it, it starts feeling a little bit ridiculous to me and I'm not really sure why I guess, but, um, like when when you have like an intelligent sword and it's capable of uh um speech and stuff and not just like telepathic or empathic communication with its wielder um does it actually speak out loud does does like a mouth appear on the blade or does it just kind of um 
emanate from the area around it? Uh, how does it see and hear things if it doesn't have eyes and ears? Well, it's all magic, right? But <laughs> but me being this literal-minded person, um, trying to figure out like how um, how it's actually processing this information, um, and uh, so that's again where I have these kind of mental stumbling blocks, you know, just having my my own these own little like mental peculiarities or whatever. So anyway, um, I appreciate your feedback and call and stuff. Uh, I'm, I too am completely mystified at what becomes, uh, popular or becomes generates a lot of feedback and a lot of talk as, as far as like podcast topics and stuff. I think a, a really f- fun example is when when Colin Green over in Spike Pit was talking about burning oil and stuff, and it just <laughs> kind of it became a conflagration. <laughs> all this all this chatter about burning oil and stuff. It was it was pretty funny, and it it was an interesting topic too. Um, but just this really small um, little nugget about well, I just don't understand how how what's essentially lamp oil is is treated like molotov cocktail like a like greek fire or whatever and stuff um and uh but it's but it's a trope in like especially osr style games you know that use burning oil and stuff a lot uh it's a it's a useful weapon in the hands of low-level characters and stuff so anyway Thanks for the call, and let's move along and see what the old bandit lord, Daniel, has to say. Welcome to the penthouse, Bendar. Hey, Rob. Daniel from Bandits Keep Calling In. Merry Christmas. It is uh, the 24th, so I'm sending this. And, um, yeah, I hope you have a great holiday. So I was just listening to your last episode. Lots of cool stuff. Uh, I I love (laughs) that you talk about the reason that you stick with or have been able to stick with the podcast for so long is because you just do it when you want to. I think that's a really great attitude. And I think it's one of those things that people can and do burn themselves out really quickly because they start feeling this obligation. And really, especially with a lot of these podcasts in the RPG sphere that, that I listen to and the whatever, they're just labors of love, you know. And, and if you're not feeling it one week, you just don't do it. Thanks for uh, looking up the, the actual rules instead of me just thinking that I know them <laughs> uh, for Into the Odd. Yeah, I didn't realize that you... I Maybe it's because I've played so many of the games that are like based on Into the Odd, and maybe some of them have that rule that you can't get the hit points back, or maybe somebody house-ruled it when they were running it, or maybe I just misremembered it. That actually... I like that actually better, that you can get the hit points back, because the way that, that I was thinking, it makes it v- almost more deadly, especially for first-level characters. As far as the missile weapons, the reason why I thought that was... Boy, too many games... I was thinking of Tunnels and Trolls, at least Tunnels and Trolls 1E. I had just read it, and there's a kind of a supplemental rule or optional rule that you can do a saving throw to avoid being hit by a missile. I think the only downside to the save is that, or the main downside to the save, in Into the Odd anyways, would be you'd be probably be doing a deck save, and if you happen to have rolled a really high dex, you're just going to avoid every missile hit, right? You could make it like a save, if you're playing, you know, I'm assuming Into the Box has regular saves, you could do like a regular saving throw, like save versus death or, or wand or something. But I think your your solution is way more elegant, really. Sometimes simpler the better. You're just rolling the damage die anyways. Subtract some uh, some uh, number based on the uh, the range or however you want to do it, and then that's how you get your misses if the damage ends up being 
zero. And what's nice about that too is that if you've got a weapon that only does like D4 damage and you're rolling, you know, at extreme range and you get it, you happen to roll a four, so you do two damage and they're wearing armor that absorbs two, that's also a miss. So it doesn't make, you know, standing super far away with missile weapons like the ultimate <laughs> uh, solution. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good solution and I like it. If I uh, run into the odd in the future, I may just try it out couple other things talking about the magic swords and stuff yeah i did say on jason's podcast i just wouldn't i wouldn't allow the or that i wouldn't allow a magic sword to be uh, one with that's with intelligent to be wielded by like a magic user because they could they didn't earn it but in fact <laughs> do do what i say not what i do in my campaign the magic user does have a magic sword that has magical powers but they're also higher level and i think that's a big part of this coming down to your idea with the wands and stuff right yeah your first level thief Picking up a wand of fireballs, I'd give a very good chance they goof that up. So they can't make it work. They they do some kind of minimal damage. The advantage on the saving throw on the other side. But you know, you've got a seventh, eighth level thief. If you're up there, if you play at a high level, even fifth level, I guess would be probably about as high as you guys run. Then you might want the thief to be able to do it. Why not? The rules are there because they're trying to balance out the game. But like you said, oftentimes tables of players, especially experienced players, will do that by themselves. Right, you're gonna your your magic user is not going to say, oh no, I demand having the plus one plate mail armor, uh, you know, when there's a fighter in the group because they know that the fighter is gonna be the one up front usually because they've got more hit points and at slightly higher levels they'll have better chance of hitting as well. So I think these are really edge cases, and honestly, that was where the original comment came from. I believe was. Why can't the magic user just pick up a sword in an act of desperation? I, I think the idea of them never being able to touch or use something just seems silly to me, which is kind of where we're at that. But but again, that that's one of the things where it's fun to just make up the fiction of your world. And then other times it's you throw it away, right? We see all kinds of stuff in the fiction that we love that, you know, breaks rules that they even establish themselves. You see it all the time. Also, it just occurred to me that when you were talking about magic weapons, the uh, chainmail talks about... Um, you know, there being more than just magic swords, uh, and they talk about Odin's spear and Thor's hammer. So there's two, you know, what I would probably are probably intelligent weapons in the D and D term, or just very powerful weapons that are not just swords. So there you go. <laughs> Anyways, as I said at the beginning, uh, Merry Christmas. If I don't uh, call in again, Happy New Year, and I will uh, talk to you in 2024. Hey, Daniel, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. There's a couple examples out of mythology, Thor's hammer, yeah, and Odin's spear as far as an intelligent or uh, weapons or, you know, like artifact kind of level things. That's kind of artifacts. That's a really interesting part of the DMG that uh, I should sit down and take a long look at those things again. It's been a long time since I I did... Uh, look at those things um hmm well anyway the the other points you make uh yeah these these podcasts and even for a lot of people well blogs youtube channels and stuff although you know the, you can monetize some of those things i guess but i don't think anyone's really making a lot of money maybe if you're getting you know hundreds of thousands of of views or something you you might, I don't know, I, I guess I hear of some big YouTube personalities and stuff making it almost like their job and stuff. I suppose if you're getting a million hits or something, maybe <laughs> maybe you're making enough money on it to to uh, 
to have that be at least a good side career. I don't know if you can make enough money. Well, whatever. Yeah, Down in a Heap is definitely a labor of love. I think most of the people that have podcasts that call into the show, they're also labors of love and stuff. They're, um, oh, and that's, you know, a lot of the DIY scene, DIY, do it yourself. Yeah, DIY. I'm terrible with acronyms. Um, a lot of it's labor of love, right? A lot, you know, you see so many free products, um, in this scene and, that's one of the things I really enjoy about it. It's like the old zine scene too. And it's just, you know, like pick one up, um, and, and then from a record shop or whatever, and then leave something. It's, um, it's just sharing your ideas. And, um, I think that's what these podcasts, uh, a lot of the times are just, just us sharing our ideas and having conversations and uh, and doing it just because we're passionate about the the topic at hand, the the, the hobby, the games and stuff. So uh, yeah, and I I really appreciate that that people take the time to to make their own podcasts or YouTube channels or whatever and provide this basically like free enter- entertainment for other people and this medium to have these conversations and uh yeah so it's i it's a really cool scene and i hope it continues um as far as like into the odd goes um yeah i I hear what you're saying about a lot of these things and especially like for roll under games um where you're making skill checks or saving throws based on attributes and they're and it's the standard, like, D&D 3 to 18 kind of ability scores. That's where I really don't like it, is if you either rolled crap and have, like, a 5, or you rolled great and have a 17 or an, even an 18, you're always succeeding or almost always failing. And uh, so unless you provide a means to improve really terrible stats or somehow you're not always succeeding because you you rolled that 18 strength uh, I think it would become a really boring mechanism so that's the main reason I think the a, a lot of these games that use a roll under mechanic as the like a unified mechanic just it all it becomes almost as more about what you rolled in the beginning than whether or not you're fifth level or something um, and, uh, and I think when you're playing a game that has levels, that should matter more than your attributes. Um, because you could have the brightest person in the world or the fastest person in the world. Uh, but just because you're super fast doesn't mean that you can, uh, hit a baseball. You're not going to, just because you're super strong doesn't mean you're going to be the the best football player in the world or the best wrestler in the world or something. Um, it's, it's a lot about experience and technique and just know how and, um, sure your physical attributes your mental attributes and stuff can set floors and ceilings as far as how good you can get or how bad you are at something. 
I mean, believe me, I, I had enough playground sports to know that there were some people that just never were good at anything, and others that seemed to be able to pick up a new game. You know, if we started playing soccer or we started playing basketball or whatever, it seemed like they were good at everything. So I get that. Um, but uh, uh, when we're talking some of the other things that re require actual training, um, just because you're a natural uh, athlete doesn't mean you can pick up a sword and, uh, and, and be a great fencer or something. Uh, there's a lot of practice and technique and know-how involved. So, yeah, so uh, all this rambling aside, I like games, I think, that have, like, the class, well, not even really class, but the level kind of thing uh, to track, like, an experience kind of with, with various things rather than just defaulting everything to an attribute. Just my personal preferences um so there you have it i guess uh, maybe this should be the end of the episode we had a little conversation talked about some different things and sometimes that's as good as a podcast will get at least i'm down in a heap <laughs> so um until i talk to you again thanks for listening and uh yeah don't go down in a heap <laughs>